0: Hello, welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. So this passage arguably is one of the most emotionally powerful stories in all the gospels. I mean, it's just watching this encounter between this woman and Jesus is, it's riveting. It's hard to take your eyes off of. You can even sense that with Luke, like Luke just gives us so much detail about this woman as she encounters Jesus, like the way she walks in the room and everything she's experiencing as she comes up close to Jesus. It's a powerful moment and it gives us a powerful lesson. When we encounter Jesus, we experience the power of his forgiveness. But as Luke pulls back on the scene. It's not just about her. This scene gives us two people having an encounter with Jesus at the same time. And it helps us look at what it means for us to both respond by resisting Jesus's forgiveness and also what it looks like for us to receive his forgiveness. And that's what we're going to see in this passage, what it looks like for us both to resist his forgiveness and to receive it. Now, as beautiful and wonderful as forgiveness is, it can also be threatening and even offensive. Listen to this great quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, we all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea until we have to practice it. That's so true. Not many of us find it easy to admit our need for forgiveness. We can hear stories about forgiveness. We see it happening between other people and our hearts warmed. We can even be brought to tears, but when we have to have a moment where we're confronted with our need to be forgiven, it doesn't always feel so good when it's time for us to forgive someone else of something. It doesn't always feel easy and beautiful. And it seems that the greater the need for forgiveness, the harder it is to both receive it and to give it. So in this passage, there's Simon the Pharisee and there's this woman um, who has this, reputation that everybody knows, right? And there's, it shows us when Luke shows us these two people, Simon, the Pharisee and this woman, he's showing us that for every one of us, there's a choice in how we respond to Jesus's offer of forgiveness. We can either resist it like Simon, the Pharisee, or we can be like the woman who receives Jesus's forgiveness and is profoundly changed who do you relate to the most right now in your life? Think about that as we dive in and we start with Simon and we look at what it means for us to resist Jesus's forgiveness and why it can be so hard for us to accept his forgiveness in our life. Now, I wanna take us back to the passage and we're gonna look at verse 41, all right? So back to verse 41, it says this, then Jesus told him, meaning he's talking to the Pharisee, remember he's talking to Simon right now, and he told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Now think about that parable and how would you describe what Jesus is trying to teach Simon and to illustrate to us through this parable? Think about that for a moment. And I want to just observe a couple things about Jesus here. Number one, first, I want you to notice how Jesus lovingly takes the attention off this woman, who's just an absolute wreck in this moment. Have you ever had a moment of being emotional in the crowd? Tears, running down your face, mascara, or maybe you're just having a moment and you're having to put on the sunglasses because you don't want anyone to notice. It can be awkward to have an emotional moment in front of other people, to be that vulnerable. And Jesus lovingly takes everyone's attention off of her and he puts it on Simon. And he asks Simon a question, tells him a story. And everyone now is paying attention to this story and to Simon. Secondly, I want you to notice that Jesus is calling Simon out. Can you see that right here? He puts Simon on the spot in front of all of his colleagues, his friends in his own home. But I want you to remember this, that when Jesus calls us out, right? When he puts us on the spot like this, it is both to challenge us, but also to renew us. It is both to cleanse us so that we can be healed. It isn't to embarrass or humiliate Simon, as we might think. It's actually to transform and redeem Simon. Now, let's talk about the parable itself, all right? What is Jesus talking about? And what does these different monetary values that owe, that are owed to somebody represent, right? When you first look at the story, it looks like he might be saying, you know, Simon, you're like this guy that only owes God like 50 pieces of silver and she's got the 500 pieces of silver. So you're not really that bad off, but she is. So of course, she's going to have a better experience with God's forgiveness. That is not what Jesus is talking about. It seems like the 50 versus the 500 is representing that one person is worse off than the other person. Again, that's not what Jesus is saying. I want you to really think about this. What is Jesus talking about? Because if it did represent that, it would be like Jesus is saying, you need to go out and do really bad things. And when you go out and do enough bad things, then you'll really be able to appreciate God's forgiveness. I've seen this with people who've been raised Christians their whole life. When I work with college students, I would hear from Christians. I just need to go out and get a testimony. I need to go out and do some crazy stuff so I can really understand God's forgiveness for me. That is not what Jesus is saying. So then what does it represent? right. Think about this. It represents the different measures of honesty about our need for forgiveness. Let me unpack that for us. Right, let me unpack what that really is saying to us. Now, number one, the more honest and willing we are to receive forgiveness, the more our life will overflow with love, gratitude, and forgiveness towards others. Let me say that again. The more honest we are about our need for forgiveness and the more willing we are to receive that forgiveness, the more our life is going to overflow with love, gratitude, and mercy towards other people. Jesus is not saying, Simon, you are like someone who only owes 50. You're not as bad as her, okay? He's saying this, this is what he's saying. He's saying, you think you're someone who only owes God 50, and so you act like it. Do you see the difference? The truth is, she is more honest than him. She is 100 times more honest, right? 50 to 500, it's a difference of 100. Or 50 to 500 is a difference of 100. He's saying she is 100 times more honest about her need for forgiveness. That's the issue. Now think about what that means for us. Now what we see Jesus saying here and all through the scriptures is this. We are all equally in need of forgiveness before God and others. Okay. So maybe you don't believe me, You're right? like, Wait, no way, Ryan. Like the Bible can't say that because there's all kinds of people who've done things way worse than me. Can you think of someone right now that you would think, no way, that person needs more forgiveness than me. I bet on a weekly basis, we form judgments about other people in the world in this way. Oh, that person (laughs) needs way more forgiveness than me. Oh, that person does, or that person does. But listen to what the Bible says right here. Romans 3, verse 23. Paul, a former Pharisee, someone who could really relate to Simon in this moment, said this, all people are the same. I know, that's crazy. Let me say it one more time. All people, People are the same. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. You see, Paul who wrote this was a Pharisee like Simon, who had an encounter with Jesus and that encounter changed everything for him. Just like we see happening with this woman. But with Simon in this party, we see him resisting that truth. We see him unaware of his profound need for forgiveness, the thing is is we all fall short of God's standard. Now when we're comparing ourselves to other people and believe me, we all do this. We all find people on our sports teams in our friendship groups, at work, in the neighborhood, at our play dates, to compare ourselves to, to both condemn ourselves and to exonerate and elevate ourselves. We live like this, comparing ourselves to others, making other people the standard of glory that God created our life for. But what the Bible is saying is is, that's a joke. It's a joke to compare ourselves to other people because we were created for a standard of glory that reflects God's glory. And so we are all so short of that standard. It's a joke to compare ourselves to one another. This is the kind of religion, the kind of radical paradigm perspective shift that Jesus came to bring. Now, I don't know about you, but all of us probably have moments where we feel that, have that feeling of falling short in some way, where we are aware that in some way we are, there's a gap between who we are and who we wish we could be. It's that feeling right there that puts us in touch with this idea of sin that, all of us fall short. Sometimes we get in touch with it in little ways. Jesus came to put us in touch with it completely and totally, not to humiliate, but to save us. The beauty of forgiveness is that it frees us from shame and regret and heals broken relationships. Now listen to this. The challenge of forgiveness is that it requires we face our imperfections. Now, okay. Imagine someone comes up to you and is like, Hey, what's up? Whatever your name is right out there. Okay. Ryan. Hey, what's up, Ryan? Hey, I just want you to know I totally forgave you. I totally forgave you. It took me a little while, but I forgave you. Now, if someone did that for you, you might be a little bit like, what? For what? What did you forgive me for? You wouldn't be like, Oh, I don't know what it is, but I'm so glad to hear that. Thank God. Thank you. We would be a little bit confused. But if you're honest, maybe a little bit offended, like what do I need forgiveness for, right? The point is, is that forgiveness makes us confront and come face to face with our imperfections. And that's what makes forgiveness so hard. And that's the double, the two sides to forgiveness. It frees us from shame, but it also means we have to face our imperfections. Now think about this for a second. We resist forgiveness because it means facing the things we hate most about ourselves. That's hard to hear, but that's the truth. The fear is that if we face it, if we face these imperfections, if we allow them out into the open, they will destroy us, they will destroy our reputation, our relationships, our life, and leave us trapped in an endless cycle of regret or shame or rejection. Now, like Simon the Pharisee, we work hard to hide our imperfections behind our appearance and our achievements. And we resist forgiveness. We resist admitting the need for it in our life. Think about that as we go into this next part. I want to talk about the woman and what we can learn about Receiving forgiveness and how that can transform us, okay? So check this out. Go back to verse 44. In verse 44, it says this Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. And he kind of walks Simon through this extravagant act of love and worship and gratitude that she expresses at the party. And then he says this I tell you, her sins, now get this, and they are many, he says, have been forgiven. Do you see that forgiveness doesn't turn a blind eye to sin. Jesus's forgiveness requires that we kind of have to face it head on. He's not saying, oh no, she's, she's good. She's perfect. Just the way she is. No, he doesn't say that he's acknowledging her profound, deep imperfections. And then he's going right through those imperfections with his love and declaring her forgiveness over her. So she, he goes, because she has been forgiven, she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Okay, let's unpack this and what this woman has to teach us here. Notice number one, for this woman, what it took for her to go into this house. It's absolutely remarkable. For her, both as a person with a reputation that preceded her, everyone when she walked into the party, everyone knew who she was and knew her by her sinful life. They didn't just know her. Notice she has no name in the story. She is known by everybody in the community by her imperfections and by her sin. And she knows that about herself. And she walks into the house of a Pharisee, that holy person in the community, that person that's got all figured out. You know, those people in in our lives, they're not just religious people. They're just those people that have it all figured out. They are so fit. Their house is so perfect, always immaculate. Their life is just one incredible achievement after another. And when you hang with them, you kind of walk away and go, man, my life is pretty lame. These people, for so many of us, it's not just these people. The truth is all of us, like Simon, the Pharisee, put on this show. And for this woman, she's walking into that show knowing she doesn't have it all figured out. And she doesn't just walk in with her reputation. She walks in as a woman into this religious scene. That's a man's world. And as this woman, she walks in and it takes so much courage for her to do that. Imagine all the glares and the stares and the murmurings that was going on as she made her way through the crowd the subtle way people shift to get out of her way so they wouldn't be touched by her. The feeling of condemnation and rejection that hung in the air as she walked past people. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you felt that from somebody, a parent, a friend, an associate, a teammate, someone that should have backed you up, but you felt judged, condemned by them. Do you remember how vulnerable it feels? It's a really awful feeling. She is experiencing that times hundred because she's in a room full of it. This moment not only represents her experience with the people socially, okay? In that moment, it also represents our life internally, the shame and the voices of condemnation we carry inside of us. You know what I mean? It's one thing to feel condemned by people outside of us. That really does, that is, that is terrible. It's another thing when it becomes the vo- when someone's voice on the outside becomes our voice on the inside because that voice is with us wherever we go, night and day, when we go to bed and when we wake up, when we're driving and our, mem- and our thoughts just drift, there it is, that voice condemning, accusing, dragging us down. That's what this scene represents. And that scene goes on in our own heads. Those voices of accusation that make us never want to admit our need for forgiveness in this scene, this woman encounters both condemnation and compassion. That's what we need to see here. When she walks into this scene, she's not only facing Jesus and his compassion. She's also having to face condemnation and there's gotta be a part of it. That's wondering which, voice is going to win the condemnation or the compassion. And it's in this moment that we see the voices of condemnation, right? The condemnation of the crowd, the leaders, even herself. But then in this moment, we see Jesus call her out of the crowd into his compassion. Admitting our need for forgiveness is an act of faith. And that's what Jesus sees in her. Every time someone confronts you with something that that requires you to receive forgiveness, this is a moment of faith because what you're dealing with is someone exposing an imperfection in your life. And deep down, we are all afraid of our imperfections. And that's why forgiveness takes so much faith. But here's the question. Faith in what? Faith in yourself faith in the other person, faith in others, faith in your circumstance. What is it? What faith in what allows us to face our imperfections the way this woman does and that, well, it's what makes this story so powerful. We see it right here through Jesus. There is a faith to face our imperfections that comes from knowing Jesus's forgiveness and compassion that no person that no one, nothing can give us or replace. Faith that Jesus's compassion has already freed us from all condemnation and all of its power to hold us in shame, regret, and to destroy us. Listen to this, first John chapter one, verse nine. But if we freely admit our sins, when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. Let that settle in. Every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ. And he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is this saying? that no matter what it is, no matter how many times, no matter how long in your life, God is going to forgive you every time. Not only is he going to forgive you, but he's going to help you clean up the mess that your imperfections have made. Do you see what kind of difference this makes for our life? That at the core of your life, you know you are forgiven by God and the freedom, the power, the strength that gives us to face people in our life to face ourselves and those voices of self-hatred that run wild in our mind, like a pack of hyenas ready to tear us apart at a moment's notice. This woman without Jesus, even saying anything to her, if you go to the passage and you look at it, there's no evidence that Jesus even says anything to her before she's breaking down in tears. Just getting close to him. Maybe it was just the look in his eyes. She is overwhelmed by forgiveness. Jesus is like this guy who's so rich in forgiveness. He walks around with cash falling out of his pocket. It's like just falling out. He's leaving a trail of cash. And people are like, what? I just got hundreds. I just got a hundred bucks here, bro. You dropped this. And he's like, it's yours. I got more where that came from. His forgiveness is not locked up in some vault somewhere because he's got to guard it as a precious resource. He is overflowing with it. And he gives it lavishly, even recklessly because the Pharisees are looking at him and thinking he is reckless with his forgiveness. And he is giving license to people to not change their life. And that's where they just don't get it. Because it's experiencing his forgiveness that changes us. Shame, condemnation, and regret never transform us. They destroy us. That's Jesus. When we encounter Jesus, we experience the power of his forgiveness. Where do you need forgiveness in your life? Where is God bringing you? Your awareness to in your life where you there's a need for forgiveness from somebody or some way in which you've been unable to forgive yourself. Now I know forgiving ourselves is not in the Bible, but obviously if God forgives us, that means He wants to cover that everywhere, and so He calls us to forgive one another, and that has to include us forgiving ourselves. But we can only forgive one another receive each other's forgiveness and forgive ourselves when we know and understand and experience God's forgiveness for us. I wanted to share quickly about a friend. I have a friend who went through a season over the last three years where this friend of mine did something that required him to face his need for forgiveness that threatened to absolutely take away, Everything that meant something to him in his life, their career, their family, and their, maybe even their own sanity. Every one of us is going to have moments like this where you do something you regret and you're like, how did I do that? It happens to all of us. Uh, Maybe not at the same magnitude, but every one of us does things where we're left wondering, how could I do this? And And I called my friend up to say, hey, tell me about your journey over the last three years of experiencing forgiveness and needing forgiveness for the last three years. How has it changed you? And my friend described these three ways in which his profound experience with forgiveness changed him. Number one, he said to me, first, I had to find forgiveness with God. Then I had to find forgiveness from those that I hurt, the people closest to me, my spouse. But the hardest one was to forgive myself. After three years, my friend was sharing with me how it was only in the last month that he could honestly say that he's gotten to that point. But listen to this. I asked him, how has it changed you as a person? And he said, number one, it has made me more humble. I used to look at people and just be like, you know, I'm kind of better than that person. I didn't really think it explicitly, but I felt it. And he's like, no, I don't do that anymore. Number two, I'm much less judgmental. I'm able to catch myself when I'm getting judgmental thoughts. I'm getting a judgmental attitude way more quickly than I used to. He's like saying that, I am way more sensitive to that judgmental attitude than I've ever been in my life. Number three: I am more able to connect to people emotionally. He was like saying that I'm more able to be present emotionally to people in their broken moments, but also I'm able to relate to people. Let me explain. Lastly, he says that he basically has shown with me he has this ministry of forgiveness. Let me explain this. This friend of mine, now, because of their experience, of needing forgiveness will contact people sometimes that he barely even knows to let them know, hey, I've been through a terrible experience like this myself. If you need anyone to talk to, I'd love to be there for you. And when he talks to them, he says this, first of all, I want you to know this. You're an amateur sinner. I'm a professional. I'm way worse than you. I've done worse. I just want to come alongside and bring God's forgiveness to you. And walk alongside you and help you. And literally, this friend of mine has a ministry to many, many people, leaders and influencers in places that he never could have reached if it wasn't for his willingness to be honest about his need for forgiveness in his own life. You see what this is showing us? (laughs) When we're honest with our need for forgiveness, it's not the end of our life. Sometimes it means it's the beginning of God. Blooming through us a manifestation of his love and mercy that we never imagined he could do. I want to just take a moment and slide to think about what this means about your life. Where in your life do you sense the need for forgiveness? Where is that resistance? And in a minute, we're going to come back we're going to take communion. I want to give you a chance to receive forgiveness. Okay, as we go into communion, I just want to invite you to hit the pause button, go get something for the body and something for the blood of Jesus, something to eat, something to drink, and let's do this together. So hit the pause, go get it, and let's do this together. Now, as we go into this communion, I just want you to pause also and just reflect, where is God directing your attention in your life that needs forgiveness? Is there any place in your life, I want to encourage you, listen to this word there is nothing in your life that has ever happened to you or anything that you have ever done that God cannot forgive and cleanse and free you from. And right now, as we go into this communion, you are bringing into your body, not just a symbolic gesture, but the power of God to cleanse you and free you through his forgiveness. Now I didn't go into this in the message, but for some of us, It's forgiving other people. It's the freedom to forgive others who have hurt us. But as we saw with this woman, it's also the freedom to receive forgiveness for ourselves. Listen to what Jesus says here on the last night that he was with his disciples. He said, it says he took up a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it, and he gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it. For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Let's take out the body of Jesus. And let's eat this together. And let's remember Jesus's body broken for us. Jesus's body was broken because he took our sin into his body, into his spirit and it tore him apart. But by doing that, he opened a way for us back into relationship with God through his forgiveness. When we drink together, we're doing this in remembrance of what he said. This is the blood of the new covenant, my blood that cleanses you and forgives you of all your sin, past, present, future. Let's drink this in remembrance of him. Now I just want to pray for you. I bless you in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. May the cleansing power of Jesus' forgiveness wash you from head to toe. May it wash over every memory and every area of your life and renew you And fill you with joy. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.